So you want to be a CEO? Sure, go ahead, read your ABCs of managing book. Or if you really want to be a CEO, then keep on listening to this Future CEOs podcast with your host, Gareth Armstrong, as he gets you up close and personal with real-world CEOs, thought leaders, and industry experts to learn from their experiences and the insight and wisdom they've gained while leading in these challenging and ever-changing times. Are you ready? Then let's do this. Hi, my name is Gareth Armstrong. Welcome to Future CEOs. Today we're sitting with Ian Goss-Ross, who is the founder and CEO of Elingo. And Elingo, while being a very successful company in its own right, is led by a very interesting man as well. The reason being that he actually has a master's in electronic engineering. I like speaking to engineers because they're practical, they're pragmatic, and what also often happens is that they are able to lead successful systems but not always successful organizations. Ian seems to have been able to do this. Let's find out why. Here he is. Ian Gosh-Ross, founding CEO of Elingo. Welcome to Future CEOs. It's good to have you. Thank you. It's very nice to be here. So we're going to be covering quite a lot of interesting information today. But uh, before we go on to maybe a little bit more about you, can you tell us a little bit about Elingo? Well, Elingo is in the contact center business. Uh, we do uh, technology for call centers. And if um, uh, we put it correct today, we would uh, rather say that we're in uh, customer experience uh, solutions. Hmm, okay. And the origins of Elingo? It started some time ago in my career where I realized that uh, you need to get involved in something that can be commercially uh, sellable. Uh, previously, I was involved in very high-tech stuff and it was um, uh, not easy to find a, a market for that stuff. So uh, I made some changes in my career and specifically into telecommunications and uh, it basically started from there. Um, it was an opportunity that uh, that came about many years ago. I was actually set to uh, or asked by uh, a boss to go and install a voice recording solution mm. and um, it just landed on my desk. And uh, I had no training on the system. I was, as a matter of fact, uh, employed as the technical manager. Okay. Uh, but with any training, I took the system, took it to uh, a very high-end customer and installed this uh, solution in one day. And then subsequently, when I saw how much um, this customer is charged for this solution, I said, well, you know, uh, I think I can, I can make this develop a solution exactly like this. And um, uh, that's where the idea started. Mm. And as a matter of fact, I told my boss um, a couple of months later, I'm starting a, a company and uh, he's going to sell my products. So they, 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 that's in essence where my interest in, in, in call centers and that sort of technology started. Okay, very interesting. Just quickly, the origins of the, the name Elingo, we were talking offline about that. Yeah, previously um, I also had a company with a very long and cumbersome name. You know, when you fill in the forms and all the applications for, for deal dealerships and uh, you want to become a reseller, it takes a lot of time to, to fill in those forms. So sure. A shorter name helps a lot. The, the, the idea was to, to make it easy to, uh, to pronounce, easy to, to read, and it's basically e-lingo, so it's a lingo of e, of electronic uh, communication. Mm-hmm. Very nice. So we're not really actually here to talk about e-lingo, we're actually here to talk about you. 
to hear from you and your experiences. So let's kick off with a couple of uh, interesting questions. And the first one that we like to usually ask is, in your experience, what does it take to be a CEO? Well, I think uh, the first thing you need to do is you need to go find a very good uh, psychologist and um, find out if you've really got what it takes to be a CEO, uh, a CEO mm. uh, because there are many aspects of it. And, um, for example, it puts you under a lot of pressure, pressure that people don't realize. And on a daily basis, uh, you, you, you realize very quickly you are responsible for a lot of people, for a whole family of people. It's not everybody that can that can handle that sort of responsibility. Mm. What I hear you saying is that there's definitely a, a lot of pressure that is unseen. Our future CEOs community, a lot of them are vying for this idea of being a CEO, this title, the recognition that may come with that. But what I hear you saying here is that there are some unknowns that are there and we really need to be able to identify with those unknowns. Anything else? So you've spoken about pressure. Anything else that comes along that is unseen maybe that our future CEOs aren't able to see because of their current positions? I think it's just that, that responsibility that uh, most people don't see. They just see the, the upside of um, being a CEO, getting the, the, the recognition. I'm not really after the, the recognition, but... Obviously, um, one looks at um, other benefits of uh, being a CEO and being in control of uh, some of your own destiny, etc. But uh, those are not all the important things. So you don't play golf every other day and you're not relaxing on a beach three months of the year? I do have my uh, entertainment and um, I disappear um, with my 4x4 if I need uh, to relieve some pressure. But uh, unfortunately, no, I don't, uh, I don't play golf, or okay. not yet. <laughs> okay, okay. So your developmental journey is quite important to our future CEOs, listeners. They really need to be able to relate and understand where you come from and how you've got to this position. Could you just share a few early influences? How did you become who you are? I think from an early age, I wanted to invent something. Okay. And um, at varsity, I realized that uh, I was uh, an above-average performer, mm. but I realized that the real strength that I have is I could put the, the theory with the practice. So um, those are the opportunities that I look for. I always talk to people and I say, you know, lots of people want to go into their own business and they start thinking about schemes instead of opportunities mm. and i say a scheme is not the way to go you know um, if you spot an opportunity and you know there's going to be real effort involved that is the right way to do it a scheme never gives you uh, the satisfaction other early influences so a lot of people attribute their value systems to a parent or to a grandparent that kind of thing early influences for you I think there was just a, a, a drive to become independent, and, and, and uh, that is it. I, I came from a, um, a middle-class family where we um, didn't have a lot of money, but we, we didn't struggle either, and, and I really had a, a nice upbringing with, uh, with good parents, but um, there, there was that real drive to, to become independent, mm. and that I appreciate from my parents as well. I think you mentioned you were above average in, in your technical field. Was that always prevalent throughout your school career? Oh, yeah, absolutely, yes. Yeah, I, I, was, I, was, a, I was a hard worker. I, okay. I, I don't think I was, was one of the brightest uh, people out there, sure. but I was definitely one of the hardest workers. Mm. So I think that, uh, that paid off. Yeah, hard work always seems to pay yeah. off in the long run, doesn't it? 
Then perhaps if we fast forward a little bit and you're now a, a young executive, you're up and coming, you're ambitious like many of our listeners. What was one of the mistakes that you made that you would coin down to simple naivety and experience? Yeah, I think uh, in, in many instances, I wasn't in touch with um, my feelings. I didn't understand myself. Uh, I think I had a, a natural abilities, but I didn't realize that and I didn't develop that further. Hmm. Uh, and I think that's something that um, a, a lot of us just bypass. We, 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 just, we just cruise on without uh, really looking at the abilities that we have, uh, evaluating those, doing assessments to see where we are, how we feel about things. Um, it's an important thing to do. Any instance that comes to mind where that really hit home for you? Any experience that you could share with us? I'm the sort of person that can, can easily move on. People upset me and I don't take it to heart. I just move on. I've never burnt bridges. I try to keep relationships open. I um, allow people to, to develop or to move on. I don't like to control people. I think it's important to empower people, to give them uh, freedom to develop, have an open mind about what they say. It, it helps a lot. It builds team spirit. It helps uh, every person to develop. So when you say don't control people, what do you mean by that? In my mind, a leader, a title bearer, is there in some ways to control individuals? You, you're saying don't control. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so I think there are two types of uh, uh, leadership styles. The one I call a diminisher okay. and the other one I call a multiplier. Mm. And a diminisher is really the guy that looks over somebody's shoulder. Uh, he's managing him, but he's looking over his shoulder constantly and manages on a micro level what he does. Mm. I often tell my staff, if you want to move on, you need to duplicate yourself. And that is really what the multiplier does. If you multiply yourself, you can move on to the next step and add value in another department. Mm. So what I hear you saying, and um, just correct me if I'm wrong here, it is definitely needed to hold people accountable, but they must have the, the freedom to be able to make mistakes and, and in, in fact, be held accountable for some of the, the things that they do right and they do wrong. Is that, is that right? Exactly. So empower them. And you need to show people that you trust them. Uh, the first time you show somebody that you don't trust them, your relationship is gone. It's very difficult to fix up that relationship. Mm. Yes, trust is really the basis for all relationships. Correct. So what don't leadership or management books teach or the academia of the world? What are they missing? Well, I've, I've read um, a number of books like uh, many others uh, on the subject. And, and, and most of these books uh, tell you uh, much of the same maybe emphasis on, on the one thing or the other thing, but for me, uh, there are no or there are seldom practical examples of how to do things. My, my pastor often makes a comment in, in uh, his congregation. He says, um, uh, we know all this stuff, but we can't get it under our bonnet. Mm. And that is the real challenge, is to get it in under the bonnet. And I think it goes hand in hand with, um, with your real intentions. If you, if, you, if you know what your real intentions are and you honestly believe in those intentions, that is one of the ways that can help you to get it in under your bonnet mm. so that you can the operate and uh, just the way you, you think and the way uh, your intention should be. How do you assess the intentions of others, though? So your intentions may be good, but you've got a team that you're working with. 
how have you been able to assess the intentions of others and and uh, maybe even adjust some of those intentions if they were skewed? Uh, yeah, you um, hit on a very important point there. I always put myself, I always try to put myself in that person's position so that I can see uh, what influences him to make a certain decision. Mm. And sometimes it's difficult, but sometimes if you can do that and just allow things to progress a little bit, you see what value they add. Mm. So what tends to happen is that especially when talking to a founder CEO, a startup CEO, someone who's entrepreneurially minded and has really been through some of the journey that you've been through, is that they make this transition from being really controlling and an entrepreneur, really being the heart and soul of the business, to becoming a CEO, which is, of course, more of a guiding vision kind of role. What has been one of your biggest light bulb moments or aha moments on that journey from entrepreneur, controlling, right at the center of everything to a CEO, which is a little bit more hands off? All right. What um, I think what a lot of people um, don't realize, um, you'll probably read it in books, but it's good to say it because uh, the job changes from technical to management mm. and you, you, you need maybe you had a, a 80% technical and a 20% uh, management role, but that changes very quickly. So you need to acquire those skills. Um, I think that the one light bulb moment that I had, and I probably knew it, but um, didn't realize it. Um, it didn't get under, into the, the bonnet. Yeah, it doesn't get into the bonnet. And, yeah. I, and I think um, uh, a few people uh, understand it. People who want to start their own businesses uh, don't realize this. It is that you yourself can have the brightest plan and you will only go uh, up to a certain point. Mm. You really need people to take you further. So if you can acquire those skills and mobilize and motivate people, uh, that's the way you are successful. Is there a story behind that light bulb moment? I, I was very lucky. I had a good core team that, that moved with me uh, from many years ago mm. and they, they stayed with me. I think the problem was, um, or I didn't realize that one of these days, these guys will also move into a management position mm. and I need to take them with me. And it's not good enough just to lead by example. You need other actions as well. Otherwise, people stay behind. So we also need to realize that we need to develop people. Some people develop at home, some people develop at work, but we need to assist people in all aspects of their lives. If they're successful at home, they'll be successful at work as well. You mentioned some actions. What have you done specifically that have helped people to develop here in the workplace? We, for example, need to look at basic stuff such as, you know, what are our conflict handling styles? What mm. are our personality styles? We need to assess our values. We need to understand what is important in our lives, a different times in our lives different things may be important but it's but we need to uh, understand where we are in life and where we need to put effort mm. okay so that's a light bulb moment that you had as you progressed as a ceo so let me perhaps put this to you and then let's see where it goes if there's an interesting difference to your answer here please finish the sentence as a ceo my highest priority every day is to ensure that people don't wait for me if there's any action that I'm holding up, I don't feel happy. Mm, okay. Yeah. Is it just a case of allowing people to be or, I mean, you spoke about empowerment as well? 
empowerment important, but if there's a decision that's waiting for me or some input from my side, that is the first priority. Mm, okay, yeah, yeah. very important. The best advice you've ever received, Ian? Somebody convinced me at some stage to go for uh, coaching. Okay. And um, I didn't learn a whole lot of new stuff, but it confirmed a lot of things that I already knew. Mm. And that, that puts a lot of, um, it, it puts you at ease if you know you are handling things the right way. Mm, okay, so w- what I hear you doing is actually giving advice to those of our listeners and you're saying go for some coaching, get a soundboard, get someone to come in who has maybe put, some, put a couple of years into studying and analyzing and see if you are on par. Is that, is that correct? Absolutely. Go for, go for coaching. And I always say, you know, um, find a, a fellow CEO or uh, also important uh, if you're a, a male, find another male that you can bounce ideas off. If you're a female, find another female that you can bounce ideas off because mm-hmm. we think differently. Um, so uh, fa- find those different sound, sounding boards. Mm, okay, very important. What one habit do you attribute to your success to? I really try to be uh, fair and kind to people, mm. and I don't burn bridges. That's a great answer. The, the real question is how. How do you not burn bridges? How do you remain kind in spite of some of the situations that you might come into contact with, the people who are sometimes maybe unkind even in spite of your kindness? Yeah, I think, again, it's putting yourself in, in that person's position and um, seeing what they experience. Uh, it's like getting your, your bull at the, at the restaurant and putting a tip on that bull. Mm. 10% is all that's expected. But if I put another 10 or 20 rand on that bull, it's going to make absolutely no difference to me. But to that person, it's going to make the world's difference. Mm. Okay, very nice. Very nice illustration. Thank you. So what are your three pillars of CEO leadership? So that's actually something that embraced in our company mission and vision. Okay. Uh, the first one of that is, it says, reject passivity. And it also, it basically comes from uh, King 3 that says you need to take uh, due skill, care, and diligence. And it speaks about the diligence. Mm. So it's, it's intention that's involved. Uh, you don't just let things happen. You act. So that is the next point, is accept responsibility. Mm-hmm. So just don't let things happen. Take up the responsibility and make it yours. Okay, lovely. The, the next part of it is um, to actually lead courageously and uh, lead the way a servant leader would lead. And hopefully, you know, at the end of it, um, we do it for a, for a greater reward, not for um, a reward that is just a recognition or for for riches. Mm, Yeah, fickle and fleeting, I think it's been called that. In your experience, what should future CEOs be studying over and above their formal qualifications? So you have a master's degree, uh, which is certainly very valuable and and serves you well, I'm sure. Over and above that, though, there must be something that you have learnt, which you learnt in a different way to what you might have in a university setting or a formal setting. What, What is that? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I've realized that uh, you actually uh, need to have uh, many jobs in one. Mm. Uh, You need to be a a lawyer. You need to know finance. You need to know psychology, marketing. And if we look at King 3 again, it says the buck stops with the CEO. So you can have all the advice that you need, but in the end, the final decision is with you. And you need to make sure that you 
uh, understand the implications of whatever decisions are taken. Mm. Okay, very important. You mentioned a lot of subjects there. Are there any books that maybe have assisted you with, with learning some of that that you could mention for our future CEOs community to look up and read? Yeah, I've uh, basically got uh, two books that I, I really enjoyed. Uh, the, one of the books uh, is called Bringing Out the Best in People, How to Enjoy Helping Others. It's a book by Alan Loy mm. McGuinness. And then there's another book, maybe on the other side of um, the world spectrum. It's called Rules of Wealth okay. by Richard Templar. And I'm specifically mentioning these two uh, books because because you, you could see that they may come from different sides of uh, opinions. Mm. But if you compare these two books, you actually realize how much uh, similarity there is between them. Okay. So it doesn't matter what your beliefs are. Some of the rules stay exactly the same. Mm, okay, that's interesting, very interesting. So we're coming to the end of our conversation quite quickly here. And maybe just a couple more questions then. And here's a good one. If you could go back in time and speak to the ambitious future CEO you, what would you counsel yourself? What, would, what advice would you give yourself? Uh, set goals. Stick to them. Don't worry about the Joneses. Mm. Read books. I didn't start reading books until um, uh, recently, as a matter of fact. Okay. I'm an engineer. I read manuals. Okay. It's yes. easy for me to read manuals. It's sure. not easy for me to read other books. Mm. But I've learned so much from, from books. Uh, find books that read easily. It will make the world a difference. You, you mentioned setting goals. Was that maybe a weakness for you when you were younger? In, I mean, in spite of the fact that you were academically inclined which, and systems inclined, which, was goal setting something that you struggled with? You know what? Uh, if you uh, in a partnership, you know, if you're married, uh, for example, you need to agree in that partnership together what are you trying to achieve. Mm. And both of you need to stick to that. And uh, so they, they, there's a bigger picture about goals. You need to get buy-in from the people that you're with. Okay. All right. Very, very nice point. Thank you for adding that. Then maybe just um, some final words to our future CEO community before we part company. Uh, stay calm and uh, drink wine. <laughs> <laughs> In moderation, of course. I'm Absolutely. Sure. <laughs> no, find time to relax and uh, just chill. Mm. Very important. I know. That, that is yeah. very good advice. Ian Gosros, CEO of Ilingo, thank you very much for joining us on Future CEOs. We appreciate your wisdom and your insight, and we wish you all the best. Thank you very much. It's been quite a pleasure. That was Ian Gosros, the founder and CEO of Ilingo. If you would like to make contact with him, you can find Ilingo's contact details on the summary page on our website. I'm Gareth Armstrong. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us today on Future CEOs. And we hope you're feeling inspired and ready to take action. Head over to future-ceos.com for show summaries, recaps, articles, and other resources aimed at fast-tracking your rise to CEO status. To make it even easier for you, simply sign up for our weekly newsletter and we'll keep you up to date on all interviews, special guest appearances, new developments, and more. 